right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Toxic Masculinity. We are here to entertain, offend, defend anyone and everyone, and maybe for the first time, make uh, some of you individuals think. Oh. Uh, we're here to make you scratch your head, scratch your ass, hopefully not with the same hand. My co-pilot, Don DePredator Fry, and yours truly, Dan to be severed. All right, so there we go. Then we got that, and we got uh, Don. You've already been chatting with, with Brian Long. Why don't you simply introduce our guest, even though he probably... Don't, doesn't need an introduction, but anyway, throw it out there, Mr. Fry. Oh, you ruined my intro, man. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm this sorry. Man does not need any introduction now that Dan okay. Severn has blown it. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Brian Cage, how you doing, sir? Uh, doing well, doing well, guys. Uh, pleasure to be here. I know I'm trying to get this done for a little while. We're trying to hopefully do one uh, in person, but uh, as we were just discussing with all the disturbances and traveling and whatnot with the the busy lifestyles of all, all three of us. Yeah, but well, we'll throw, throw that in, but then also throw in the wacky world, the COVID protocol here still. Oh, you know, oh, it's true, all, true. That, that's, uh, the, the past year has been uh, a very, um, I'm not sure what word that, that, that actually describes the, the, the past year right now. Insane. Yeah, well, insane, yeah. Stupidity, insane. I think yeah. it's a mixture of a little bit of everything there. Yeah, it's, stupidity, uh, yeah. But we're, we're happy that this this all came uh, together. And right now, you're are you actually on the road? Are you actually at home? There, no, right? I'm I'm at home right now. Okay, very so you're, rare, you're very famous. rare uh, appearance of me being at home. So. Well, you got a little bit better setting there. You at least have a backdrop here right now. My backdrop here is I'm just to be <laughs> showing around backside. I've got uh, I've got boats zipping by me here at this point in time. Music oh. playing. Oh, so, it's rough, rough out there on your island, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little rough here right now. I mean, I'm, Dan, yes. How's your old fiefdom? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have to uh, hire Brian and I to come over there and get rid of the peasants after. You know. Well, oh, quietly, because I, I there's a few of them that uh, I would like to so like shoot up a uh, torpedo to. You know, to they they tend to. Uh, well, we've had so much uh, rain as of late that uh, the water level is extremely high. And uh, I have a property that would normally be almost an acre. Uh, that is roughly, I think I have half an acre right now because the rest of it is submerged. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they need to build an aqueduct system from the... From the Middle East, Middle East. <laughs> oh man! From the Midwest over to uh, the West, you know, and uh, that way they can just let that water go down through uh, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, you know, California. I mean, you all got lots of water that you're just letting seep yeah, well, away. Most of the, yeah, I'm gonna say most of the time, either uh, California or. Uh... Arizona is on fire this time of year. Yeah, yeah. So there's a big yeah. drought, and they're cutting off water to the farmers. It's yep. just uh, there's no sense in it, you know. Build an aqueduct system, you know, from the from the Midwest out to the West Coast, and uh, it's it's for this grow some food. 
Well, Donna, I hate to say this, that actually, that, that was called common sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then common sense, uh, where's that going to get you nowadays? You got to have Politics, something really yeah. kind of, something really, really bizarre and abstract there. It's kind of like going, uh, you know, you, it's like, well, Brian here, I, I should just be hit you on the spot right now. Like this morning when you when you woke up, did you identify with anybody else that's simply just yourself? As Brian Cage, or did you? I mean, did identify as a thirteen-year-old, uh, you know, uh, handicap swimmer or something like that, paraplegic? <laughs> or I mean, it's just—I mean, I mean, you, you, the insanity of uh, of, of uh, allowing kids to select their own gender, allowing kids to do this. I'm thinking, what insanity you, you are know, we that, at in uh, this world? That was actually—I um, mean, I've always wanted to live in uh, in Vegas. I'm in Henderson. Um, I, I almost came out here a couple of times the last several years, but that was a big, um, big reason why we came out here because we were in California and it just, uh, it, that place is just getting worse and worse with all that but stuff. But Nancy Pelosi's, come on, she's got your back. She's oh got your goodness. back over there. I mean, yeah, so of no, course, we, you know, we had to she get was out just open borders up like this, and yet doesn't she have a big old gate around her uh, entire property? Why does she just no. have open borders uh, to uh, her own Hacienda there, huh? She's got those big giant refrigerator freezers full of ice cream. So, you know, let's, let's all go have an ice cream party. Oh, I, I didn't know about that then, Mr. Fry. You, you got me intrigued here now with that ice cream. Yeah. Dan's <laughs> ready to charge the castle. Charge, that's right. Yeah. Well, again, there, Brian, we're, we're here just, we're, we're having a lot of fun there with what we're doing. And we actually, uh, we look at, we like to interview people that are in the, in our various industries that we have been involved in, uh, whether it be cage fighting, professional wrestling, amateur wrestling, but then just good Americans and stuff like that. And just uh, sure. people that uh, have that uh, that can-do type of a spirit. So You're a big old boy. How much you weigh? Uh, 265. Damn. Damn. Dan topped off. You know, you topped off, what, 295 a couple of times? Well, that wasn't exactly a good weight at that at that point. I had stretch, <laughs> I had stretchy pants on at that point, you know. <laughs> and your I think I, I hit the ice cream parlor just a few too many times. I did you not were, have you were I did not have abs and, yeah, I gotta say I did not have abs in the terms of plural. Okay. I had a, a singular nice smooth ab at that time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You had a slope for all the uh Poor Dan, poor Dan. I know. I'm just, just, uh, I'm, I'm known as the whooping boy here between uh, Mr. Fry and myself. He just, he just, he just went those crotchety old farts there that, uh, whatever it is. But, uh, but it's, you know, he's like an old dog. I, I kind of like having him on the porch all the time. <laughs> Speaking of old, old dog, where's, where's old Quinny? Where's, where's your dog there today, Don? I don't see her. She's right here laying down, you know. She, yeah. Oh. I, I saw, I saw when you got on. Brian, you've been a big boy your whole life. No, I wasn't. I was. I graduated high school uh, 110 pounds lighter. I was 155 when I graduated high school, Jeez. and uh, I was. Uh, I was like, you know what? This is going to cut the mustard uh, if I want. Because I always wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I was like, all right, well, I got to look. I want to look the part. I don't want to show up at some pro wrestling school and get taken advantage of. And just you know, look like a joke. So I remember, like that summer right after I graduated. Um, my sophomore PE teacher who I was really cool with, who was also a big wrestling fan, told me at summer school if I wanted, I could uh, I can get to the high school and he'd open up the weight room for me so I could start training. And so like every morning, uh, I would wake up at seven and jog to my high school, and then uh, I would just start training. And that was that summer was just what got me uh, 
got me just in love with it all of it with training and bodybuilding and all that aspect and it was all just to fuel my dedication to make it into pro wrestling um and but did, did, I, did you participate in any other kind of sports though in high school i mean did you, you know, do I, soccer I, or wrestling or I, I i didn't at all and i regret it so much well i played okay so i played pop warner football a couple of years and okay. I, remember I, I hated it because i love playing football with my friends all the time when we, we did it, my mom put us on the team across town because it was cheaper yeah, when I say we, it was me and my older brother did it. And and we none of our friends were on there. So, like, I hated going there. I was like, I'm going to go play. Like, so I was, like, turned off by that. And I didn't want to be a, a follower. Because I remember I went to high school. Like, everyone was like, oh, you've got to play uh, uh, football. And then everyone knew how much I wanted to be a wrestler. So they would say, oh, she's going to the wrestling team, too. And I remember then I would get so upset about it. It's like, no, it's not the same thing. Like, that's not the wrestling I want to do. And I would get, like, offended. And then I, I, I did some of it. Well, with my friend who was the the coach for or a junior high in my hometown, and I would uh, I would go in and train with him, and even in pro wrestling school, you do some of the basic stuff to learn some fundamentals. But and I was like, man, I realized how much more beneficial and helpful it would have been had I done amateur wrestling um, beforehand. But I was also um, a big skateboarder. Surprising people were usually pop for that, but I, yeah, so I skateboarded all through high school. Um, and then of course that'll, that'll, that'll get you far, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they all get, got me my first knee surgery too. Um, and then I, I was also a big backyard wrestler because I was like the, all the craze back then. <laughs> back then, how old are you? Thirty-seven. Jeez, so, yeah. So I had my first uh, baby. I first started uh, my first match was when I was twenty-one. So it's like about sixteen years now. Yeah. Wow. And uh, who, who, what school did you go to? Uh, originally, I went to the school in Yuba City, California, uh, called PCW. And uh, it was ran by a guy named Mr. Primetime. But the main person who was like, I mean, just the shit at training. Uh, not the shits, but the shit. Like, awesome. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Old School Oliver John. Um, but he, he was immaculate. He was like one of the, definitely a, a great guy that, you know, that never made it. He had, could just do it all. There was like no weak points. And I remember too, like even then, like my first indie loop, yeah, so I'd always been a big boy, right? Because I'm in shape. And that's like a die, I'm like a dying breed now. Everyone used to be jacked and in shape when wrestling. Like yeah. everyone's, you know, skinny, fat, or tiny now. And I remember my first loop with PCW um, doing like these three different indie shows throughout Southern California or SoCal and Bay Area of California. I was like, they're like, oh, so what did you think? And I was like, like not even trying to be insulting, but one of the first things out of my mouth was, wow, nobody likes to work out on the indies, huh? Because it's like everyone, no one looks like wrestlers. Like, what's the deal? Right. So I was, I was thrilled that old school over John, not only was he a tremendous trainer, but, you know, he was like in his mid-40s and doing it for forever. And he was super jacked. Shredded, just in shape. I'm like, dude, if this guy who's not even really fully go do anymore and he has a full-time job and this and that, whatever excuse you want to find, like looks amazing and still busts his ass. And like, what's the, everyone else's excuse? So you said you always wanted to do pro wrestling. What was it that made you want to do that? Uh, you know, I was a fan of it as a as a, a little single digit kid. And uh, around the age ten, it was just I was just so infatuated that I just I just wanted to be a wrestler. And it was it was probably more of like a you know childhood dream as far as like make believe, like like being a superhero or something. Which I were, what were the couple of wrestlers that you followed that you uh, that you really enjoyed? Oh, sure, watching? sure. Like, 
so, I mean, Shawn Michaels was like my favorite at that time. He's still probably my all-time favorite. And he had the little boyhood dream as well. So I, I really wanted to uh, stick to that. And I really wanted to make it happen. I remember, you know, it was like fifth grade. I'm talking about wannabe wrestler. Then junior high, wannabe wrestler. And everyone's like, you're going to grow out of that. And then come high school and so on. I'm like, no, no, this is what I want to do. Um, and then in high school, I was um, I was very, uh, very much wanted to emulate the three Chris's, as I call me. So as you said that I watched many people, um, Chris Canyon, Chris Benoit, and Chris Jericho were like the three I wanted to kind of mix together and be a be a hybrid of. Yeah, I love Benoit. Benoit, Benoit and Jericho, you know, they're tops. They were over there in Japan with me uh, quite a few times. And they're, they're awesome. You know, Chris Jericho, he knows everything there is to know about pro wrestling. You know? <laughs> he's amazing. And, I, and, he's, and he's still doing it. He's with us now. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, those, those, those were the top three. And I, I just felt like the combination of their, you know, intensity pumping, selling, technical prowess, physique, charisma, mic work. I mean, all, all of it. Like, without, if I took a few uh, great traits from each of them and, and try to make it my own, um, then that would, in my eyes, you know, create the perfect Brian Cage that I wanted to be. Well, what did you tell me what, what you learned from each one? Can't leave uh, just leave us hanging there, man. <laughs> well, I never, I, I mean, I've, I obviously have gotten to talk and uh, cross paths with Jericho plenty of times now, too. I even, I give, you asked where I first started training. I give a lot of my credit to Chris Canyon, too, to help break me into the business and, and get me out of California and help get me to uh, WWE. I was there in deep south wrestling, uh, south of uh, Atlanta for, uh, it was probably for about eight or nine months before they closed their doors. Um, but I was there uncontracted, but I was able I was, I was one of only two people that were there um, and that were allowed to train and be part of every single show with all the signed talent. And then after doing that, it's what led to me getting contracted shortly afterwards and then going to Florida Championship Wrestling uh, under a WWE developmental deal. Um, but, uh, uh, I mean, definitely out of the three, uh, Canyon was, the, I mean, not because I was close to him, he's my friend, but he had um, a very... Uh, innovative moveset and very innovative offense that always popped me and stuck out to me as a kid watching it and I remember everyone wants to have like the match of the night but uh Canyon whether he did or didn't he'd always have some sort of new move or you know sequence or something that I've never seen before so it would always resonate with me and stick with me so they're going forward I always want to have match of the night as well and if I didn't then at least almost every single show I've ever been on Someone's came up to me, whether it be a fan, a wrestler, an agent, whoever, and will we'll say something about a move or something I did that they've never seen um, before. So that's kind of like a little feather in my cap that I've been able to continue that aspect. Um, and yeah. I've got I've got slight comparisons to all three of them too, um, unknowingly um, from people. So that's also another little, I guess, little credit. Where people are like, oh, you kind of remind me of Benoit. Oh, that reminds me of Canyon. Oh, that reminds me of Jericho. So. How would you meet each one of those guys? Um, Benoit, I only met uh, in past a few different times when I was backstage, both before I signed and after I signed, just the extra. Um, Canyon, I originally met actually as a, as a fan. Um, I was I was at a Monday Night Raw at Arco Arena in Sacramento, and I had a Who Better Than Canyon sign. That was a little saying. And it was during the Austin Appreciation Night when Kurt Angle came out and like sprays everyone out melt. And uh, 
Whatever. Long story short, he saw my sign. He came back out, and uh, he gave me like the "Who Better Than Austin" shirt that he had that night. And uh, he gave it to me. Then he signed that, and he signed my sign. And uh, it just, it just, and, and not only was I so ecstatic about it, but you know, at the time, I think it was seventeen. But like, it just fueled my desire to be wrestled that much more because I wanted to make another fan's night that much, you know, or that memorable as that had just done to me. I remember I posted on it on on his website and the webmaster had like forwarded it to Canyon and then he had randomly emailed me um, and I'd email him back and forth. And then uh, after, and then he started getting Bill gets comp tickets wherever they're like within our state and whatnot. And then eventually when he got released um, and I was, I was running my own shows up in Chico, California. And then he came in and uh, he worked one of our shows with us, which was phenomenal. And I started training with him. And then he got me over the, I went to his place Florida for a little bit to do some stuff over there. And then he's the one that put the word in, got me uh, into deep South wrestling. So I, mean, I, I, obviously I knew him very well. We had a very good friendship with him and he helped me out tremendously. And then Jericho, I'd met in passing as well. I didn't know, no Jericho until probably right before, right before the, the very first Jericho cruise is when I like, you know, really met him, met him, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. Guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what those guys, you know, are in the ring. You know, you you stand backstage and you and you watch it like a fan. You know, when when Jericho or Benoit were out in the ring, you know, and um, and, and I know everyone shits on Benoit now too, right? Because of what happened. I don't. Chris, Chris is my friend, you know. I mean, I don't know what happened in the last 72 hours of his life, yeah. but he was a great guy up till then. He was my friend, and I love him. You know, and I, and I uh, uh, it's not like I'm, like, gloating about any of it, but, like, exactly. I don't rap it either. People can say what they want to say, blah, blah, make it. And I like to always want to attack everything and blame it all on steroids, too, just because wrestling gets, like, that bad rap with it. But I'm like, Really, because that's not happening like in any other community that has, you know, a performance enhancements going on where people like that wasn't like a roid rage 72 hour. Like that was, I don't know what was happening. But regardless, I mean, his personal life had nothing to do with me and nothing to do with why well, I was a fan of him. So, need to say, like, that was still a, you know, horrific incident that happened. Like, I'm still a fan of him and his work and everything else yeah. up until, so I'm a fan of, you know, Chris Benoit, the character, because I didn't know him. Like, you knew him. He, you know, you knew Chris Benoit is your friend. But I know I thought he was great, and I hate that um, that his legacy has pretty much been erased from wrestling when he was, did so much and was so great. Right. I thought that, was, that was chicken shit, you know? Yeah. That, that I mean, yeah, he go on the network and stuff, and, and you can't find his own name. You can't find freaking any of his matches. Or, and it's just a shame. I mean, I get it. They're trying to be, you know, PC about it, but it just sucks. Yeah, I agree with what you said there, Brian. I, I really enjoyed his work rate. He was a guy that was never going to cut a, a great promo or anything like that, but he was going to step out there and, and just with his work ethic alone, he was going to make you make you love him. So that's why I liked about watching his matches. Well, and, and you guys coming from, from the shoot world too, I thought Ben Watson was always one guy that always brought a lot of believability in pro wrestling. Yeah. Like I felt like a lot of people who just, who, you know, obviously people who aren't fans at all wrestling, Always like, oh, whatever, it's so fake, it's so fake. But I feel like Benoit was one of the few guys, like, when he's in the ring, you're like, oh, shit, wait, is this one real? Like, he, he just he had that really, really good believability about him, which was so uncanny. Right. Yeah. 
And like you said, you know, uh, he was really dedicated in, in keeping in shape, uh, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah, that thing too. Like people, like he was pretty much the same shape like his entire career. Yeah. Him, like, 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 I mean, a lot of people, you know, kind of go up and down a game, but like, yeah, he was jacked and straight in condition, like, like from like start to finish. Yeah. Yeah, he would he would go uh walk the walk the towers the stairways in those big uh towers up there in Tokyo you know the the big hotels yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott Norton went with him one day and uh, he couldn't move the next day he said it, <laughs> his calves are all knotted up <laughs> he laying in bed screaming <laughs> that's good Norton's that's good. a big big yeah, yeah Norton yeah yeah he's a mountain yeah. of a man big boy to be walking the stairs <laughs> well Severin are you going to be involved in this thing well, but I am there but Mr. Fry if you've, if you've been kind of controlling all I'm thinking well I, yeah. I like this here so far yeah. just kind of sit back and just enjoy uh, just what that uh, Brian's talking about you know, it's, uh, well, well Brian I mean uh, you work you work predominantly with AEW right now is that where yeah. you, you work yeah. okay and uh, I mean what's uh, what's I guess if, if there's certain things that you could talk about, what's really on on your short term horizon? What uh, what's what's happening currently? What uh, what uh, are you striving product, for? Okay, so I was I was uh, I got brought in with Taz. Taz is my manager, and then uh, that became a faction in Team Taz. And then uh, we've had a lot of riffs, and then kind of teased what would look like me leaving Team Taz. And then uh, I, got, I pretty much got swerved out of them, so they double crossed me and. Um, middle of july so i've been uh excommunicated from team taz and now i've, I've been a uh, newly found baby face and i'm in the middle of a feud program with all of them oh, okay I'll probably probably conclude around our all-out pay-per-view which is september 5th so either probably right around then or right after then i'll probably be done with that and then i'm not really sure what's on the horizon after that that's the one thing about okay. professionals. They just never know as to how yeah. the cycle well, is going to go. Well, well, and, and even go then, from... I, I kind of know. Well, I know what I I know what's been said, but I don't believe it until it happens. You know what I mean? So, like, like there's always like a rough idea, or like, oh, yeah, they will do this and this. But I mean, now it's in times you hear like, you know, a match that you have or, or, or whatever booking angle, and then it usually doesn't happen. So I almost like not to know too much because then I, I mean, I want to, so I can try to, you know, talk it out and politic it, I guess, if you will. But I feel like when you know too much, it just sets you up for more disappointment because it almost always changes and doesn't happen the way you're, yeah. uh, yeah. the way you're hoping or that it was explained to you. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that t totally there. No, it's, um, well, I mean, is, is, uh, does AEW, do they, have, do they have a creative team there as well that they actually look at different aspects? Or? Which is crazy. Creative team? No, it's just Tony. Tony Khan, who's, who owns it, and he does so much anyways already. It's literally just all him. He'll have some help or input from other guys. And uh, some of the EVPs that, you know, help start, like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, they kind of help, like, do their own stuff. But, uh, but no, Tony pretty much has the, the, the final and only say on, on, on majority of the entire product, which is, which is a little nuts. I do think that it could benefit, you know, with some of the people helping out on that. Yeah, you, you think I, I was curious. What about then? Um, I, I know personal input. You you might already have some already preconceived ideas of what you would really like to do. I mean, um, I mean, does Tony at least welcome um, your oh, ideas, for sure. suggestions? For for sure, he does. And that was one thing. Like the overall just treatment atmosphere, AW is, is, is far succeeds not just WWE but almost any place I've been. 
uh, big company wise. But yeah, I mean, like almost anytime I've texted Tony, um, he texts me right back. He always listens to my ideas. Doesn't mean they always happen, but it takes some consideration. Sometimes they do happen or partially will happen. I mean, anytime I need to get on the phone call or I ask if like, hey, can we chat? He'll be like, oh yeah, call me tomorrow at two o'clock, you know, and then boom, he's there. Like, so the fact that you have such easy direct, or at least, you know, I've been able to have such easy direct access to him has been uh, incredible too, because I know that that would never happen elsewhere, so. Yeah, no, I, when I was when I was first working for the you know, WWF at the time, you know, now known as WWE, I, mean, I, I really didn't understand this whole creative uh, force that's behind it and what was driving it. I simply knew that I had Jim Cornette in my corner and uh, and he would just come out of each of these meetings just frustrated as, as all get out. And uh, I just kind of wish I would have known a little bit more about the, the political aspect of it because that's the one thing that, uh, you know, I might have been, I might have stayed there a little bit longer, but might have had a little bit more influence on my own career as to what I wanted to have happen. But you know, when they come up with a goofy idea, putting six 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 across the forehead and making you Undertaker disciple stuff at like that mark of the beast, it's kind of like going, eh, that's not uh, my <laughs> cup of tea. I, I live in small town USA. I don't want any repercussions to my family nor to my other businesses nor to myself. So because there's yeah, a lot of people, like you, they don't really force any sort of like character stuff, and even then, like. You know, so for me, I started feuding with Team Taz. So for me and um, like the main guy now that I'm feuding with, Ricky Starks, if we're in a, uh, an angle or something, uh, you know, um, a segment, and they kind of give us like, hey, we want this to happen. Um, that'll be like, okay, like you know, at the end of the day, make sure that, you know, Ricky leaves up or I leave up or whatever. Um, they don't really, especially because it's just us, we have pretty good say-so of what we want to do and how we want to do it. So they don't, they don't write away promos. They don't like, micromanage anything even all the matches like these for all mine like they'll, they'll have agents will tell them what we're doing but like no one goes oh don't do that you have to do this you can't do, like it's it's pretty pretty easy going there in that regards i mean i, I just know I, i've heard so many good things about what aw is doing right now i mean it's uh overall i mean are they just taking are they are they doing better ratings and stuff like that than what they, the okay so which was rad because they had nxt which is more of a similar style to aw uh, WWE put them on. They knew AEW was going to happen on Wednesday nights, so WWE is like, okay, we're going to bring it NXT to USA on Wednesday nights, like two months before or like six weeks before AEW debuts to kind of like, you know, get in, get you know, get out the gate first. Well, pretty awesome that you know, a little over a year later, I think we've smashed we smashed them every single night except for like five nights when they like would have some super show, and Vince actually ended up moving. NXT off of Wednesday, I think to Thursday or Tuesday, because he was tired of getting destroyed. So Ron, <laughs> Ron SmackDown, I think he'll do a little bit better ratings than than our main show Dynamite. But I mean, the fact that we're competing and doing so well—that's the thing too. I just said AW's only been around as officially as a company for like a year and a half. So the fact that it's doing that well with that short amount of time is tremendous. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, I, it's, I, I always said the competition is a good thing when, uh, oh, for sure, yeah, you, uh, you know, WWF versus uh, EC. Uh, I'm sorry, I just got all kinds of waves coming. I get that did that really as a boat that <laughs> a, a, a wave, one of those wave boats went by that really kicked up a lot of uh, a lot of waves. Are just that so sorry about that interruption. I was kind of going, you know, squirrel, I was off, yeah, uh, yeah. off a different direction. But uh, no, I, I always say that competition is a good thing. When WCW was kicking the you know the WWF's butt at the time, it forced 
Vince and the creative team to push themselves and to do a better uh, do a better job. And I actually think sure. that was one of the best times of being involved in that company was just to be just they were just trying to push push the envelope a little bit more. And uh, I think guys were putting in a lot better work ethic at the time when you become kind of like the uh, the king of the pack. You start let you rest it on your, your laurels there a little bit more. So. Oh, I sure. think it's always sure, better yeah. to be it's always better to be a little bit hungry and uh, go after things. Absolutely. Yeah, competition we got better competition. And if you're the only fish in the sea, well then like you just kind of get you know stuck in a rut and it starts to become a little more boring and monotonous because you're not forced to be creative, you're not forced to do anything different because you're like, ah, there's nobody here, you know, challenging us. So we this is if you want to watch wrestling, for instance, that's what we're talking about. Like that's pretty much the only product available, and then it is what it is. That's right. You'll, you'll feed them, and they'll eat what we're feeding them because that's the only thing on the menu. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, no. I mean, and, there, and there's several, there's several smaller alternatives, but you know, AW's finally the first big mainstream mainstay, you know, competition. So that's really made. It. They try to act like they don't sweat it, but I mean, I'm sure they do. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. How long were you in? Uh... In the independent circuit and Lucha Underground and all that good stuff. Oh, so, so like, yeah, so, like, I was, uh, what? So, I, I remember two months in high school, going back, I, I guarantee everyone that would be signed by the time I was 24. So, I did the indies for two and a half years or whatever before I was um, signed to that developmental deal in FCW. I was there for 2008, 2009. And then I went back to uh, California and started doing the SoCal indies all over again. And then I broke into a company called PWG. Pro Wrestling Gorilla, which is a huge independent show. It's like almost every single person there is a, a pretty good top star somewhere now. Where is that? Uh, uh, it, it was in Reseda, California. But uh, yeah, any like like of the the big you know smart marks, if you will, like they all they love PWG. But that's what really blew me up and started getting me all these international bookings and bookings all around the states and everywhere else. Um, and which is crazy because it was just. It was like a little old school too, because they had no streaming or anything. They just have DVDs, but it was just such a popular promotion. Everyone would buy DVDs from forever. So then, you know, then I'd go up to Toronto for the first time or, or you know, in England or whatever. And then people would know all my chants and moves and stuff from PWG DVDs. I'm like, this is crazy that it has that significant of a reach. But that led me to get into Lucha Underground, which also got, I got, I was co-signed to AAA. So I was doing the Mexico tours all the time and feeding with them. Um, Alberto Del Rio um, when I first got in there. And Lucha Underground, even though I love AW and the treatment there, I think overall Lucha Underground is probably my favorite company, company though. It was just so, it was so different, so unique, um, a lot of fun, literally no, no control over anything you did. Like, you, like they let you do whatever. And it didn't matter if your first match, last match, two minutes, 22 minutes, like they want everybody to just have as much fun and kill it and try to steal the show. And um, it was, and it was always shot in this like, warehouse so it probably was never more than like maybe maybe they were able to fandangle almost a thousand people in there but it was probably like roughly like a 600 person crowd or so it was like it was huge but man that crowd still might be the be one of the best if not the best crowds i've ever worked in front of compared to that multiple thousands of people like it was just such a hot rod a rabid fan base and even to this day i'll be at a you know meet and greet or some signing or whatever and like probably 70% of the comments and questions are still Lucha Underground based, not AW, not Impact, not anything else. Like it had such a strong cult following. And really the main flaw to it was that it was on the LRA network. 
and just not a lot of people carried it or had access to it. So it didn't matter how good the product was. If you can't watch it, you can't watch it. So right. um, it was unfortunate. If, if, I, I, I would say if that was on TNT or USA or, you know, main cable network, it, it would still be around and, be, and it'd be killing it today. But are you doing are you this weekend? Uh, yeah. I'm, so Triple Mania, that's their big WrestleMania AAA. Um, I've headlined a couple of them and I don't, I don't work to play like on the regular at all anymore, but, um, I will be there, uh, tomorrow morning. I got to take a nice early flight straight down there and I, I'm actually doing double duty. There's a, there's a Marvel, uh, they've been doing this Marvel gimmick down there with, with actual Marvel and they're kind of getting their hands in wrestling. And we had like a two hour meeting with them, uh, last year's triple mania when we first did it. Marvel comic. Yeah, yeah. So they basically, they basically want to. Uh, they've been doing some stuff with AAA building up to it because they basically kind of want to do like like Disney on ice, but like Marvel and wrestling, <laughs> if you will, kind of make that. You ice skate? No, 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 no. Oh, I mean, I can't ice skate, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it won't, it won't be an ice rink. It'll be wrestling. But like, oh yeah, all the characters are like Marvel based characters. So like the character I'm at that they asked me for is, is Thanos. So I'm like a Thanos character. And you know, that um, well, Wolverine. Yeah. Like, you like Wolverine. I know, I know. I want to be Wolverine, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so I have that match. And then I have a, a normal Brian Cage match as well. I have a three-way tag match, which actually I'm pretty excited about because there's some good talent in that, that match. So that'll be fun. Um, I don't I don't always uh, love going down there. I try not go down there, down there too much anymore. I mean, I, I've been there so many times and for so many tours. Throughout where's, my where's it at? What town? Uh, this, this, what what's that? What, what town? town? Uh, Mexico City. Okay. Mexico Have you been in Monterey? Uh, yeah, that's. I was about to say that's my favorite city. Oh yeah. Outside of, yeah. outside of like the vacationy cities, you know, like freaking, uh, you know, Cancun and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Monterey is my favorite. Yeah. Monterey, Hermosillo, yeah. 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 They're beautiful. Yeah, they have great crowds there too. But yeah, that that's probably my favorite place to go. Uh, Mexico City is a is a, is a little bit of a jungle, man. It's so chaotic yeah. there. I would never yeah. want to drive there. I would never want to drive there. It's, it's no, hell no. But uh, you know, you're Chris Logan. You can do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the Chris Logan character. So when I went to uh, FCW, that was the WWE developmental. That was actually right uh, shortly after Christian had left WWE, and he went to TNA, and he had some loophole where he was able to keep his name Christian because. He owned the intellectual property to Christian Cage, um, which is what his indie name was. So he was able to snooker and keep his name. So I remember WWE was furious and they didn't want anybody to keep any right, independent right, names. Right. So I had to change my name and, and I didn't want to, but um, after going back and forth, I went to Chris Logan because Chris for, and I spelled it the K, was for Canyon, Chris Canyon. And then Logan was for Wolverine, obviously. So that was kind of the, the play on words to give me something different. I didn't love it, but it was at least there was some meaning behind it rather than just some people just got some shitty names that they would give them, like really shitty names. You gave Mr. Perfect Son the Michael McGillicuddy? Like, what is that? That's garbage. How can you get over with that name? Michael McGillicuddy. <laughs> well, they, they, back in the uh, what seventy eighties? They had some really silly characters, and then they got over kind of, you know, for the size of the. Sure, 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 sure. 
I mean, who's well, a, I, the Brooklyn Brawler? Would always pet himself on the back. You yeah, know? yeah, of course, I'm not a Brooklyn people, Brawler. Yeah, people I, love him. They love him still. You know. Well, I mean, yeah, that was a little different. You could have some goofy gimmicks, especially for then, because it was more gimmick created. You know, now it's a little more reality based. Most of the time, uh, it's hard to get over, or you don't usually get a goofy gimmick like that. But I just feel like if you're just like, "Hey, I'm an athletic guy in tights," but you got a shit name, like, right? Just like, like that's not marketable. Like I said, right. like, like you, I don't know why he wasn't just Kurt Henning Jr. Like, why don't, if he wanted to make a different name? Yeah. Uh, uh, Kurt was a great guy, man. I love Kurt. You know, he would come around. Brad Reagan's broke me into the business up there in Minneapolis, and and him and Kurt were good buddies because he had broke Kurt in, and um, Kurt would come over uh, while we were training and hop in the ring sometimes, and you know show us, and then he pulled ribs on us and shit. He he uh, H bombed me one time. We got on an airplane up in Minneapolis. And I didn't, I didn't wake up. He ate bombed me so hard. I didn't wake up for like two days, you know, <laughs> didn't know what was going on for Cause I had already checked into the hotel and all that. You know, I always remember coming to breakfast one day going, what the hell happened? How did we get here? <laughs> you know, I was just talking um, before you guys got on too. I didn't, I didn't even know. Cause I was like, wait, I was like, did Fry, did Fry pro wrestle too? Or did he said, I'd never seen it. He goes in and I was told that you took, Basically, Shamrock spot in New Japan for several years. When I mean, you were talking about you having the broken neck too, I right. didn't even know that. Yeah. So oh. I was gonna so like, yeah, I know, I know, right? You guys are interviewing me. Let me ask some questions. Yeah, you just said broke you in. Yeah. So did you? Did you? I mean, this goes to both of you too. So did you guys train much on pro wrestling, or did you guys just kind of like just take your shoot stuff and kind of like do it as a shoot work or, or what? Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, because that's the style they wanted. They wanted. Yeah, uh, sure. Especially New uh, Japan. Yeah, they wanted a bad guy American that had a uh, shoot reputation to come over. And uh, a lot of the guys, you'd see them go to the go to the roster, you know, see their name. And then they see my name. They just drop their head and go, oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, my, my background, Brian, I actually uh, I did some professional wrestling training with uh, Al Snow. So, uh, ah. yeah, over in uh, Lyme, Ohio. So I, I really enjoyed going over to his uh, Body Slammers gym. Uh, he's only run the class a couple of nights so a week. This was all back in that 1992 uh, time period. My first profession was professional wrestling as of the 1992 Olympics. And uh, one of the, uh, the president of this Michigan Wrestling Club is a uh, amateur wrestling company the president was a gentleman by name of his real name was dennis kasperowitz but he his worker name was denny Cass. so he was a a professional wrestler and uh and an amateur wrestler i i, I don't dennis is about probably the early 80s and uh each time that uh, our meetings would get done with uh, what we had to do for the michigan wrestling club on the amateur wrestling stuff i'd always steal him for another 10 15 minutes to just pick his mind about professional wrestling he actually really tried his best to discourage me. He goes, uh, he goes, if you really want to do it, he goes, he says, I'll take it to, to this place. So th that place was Al Snow's place. And I mean, Al was a great guy. Yeah, and was, uh, he had a great uh, training facility. They, they, they had a lot of good work ethic. The hard part about professional wrestling to me was I, I've been teaching, I've been teaching amateur wrestling pretty much my entire life. I mean, since my soft, well, since my freshman year of high school on, I've been teaching the sport of amateur wrestling. 
and I know how to put lesson plans, stuff like that uh, together. Professional wrestling, it just depends on who you talk to as to how do they do a move. So yeah. I, I basically would wait until after I spoke to enough veterans that I that I heard them leaning towards this is how you do it enough to where it's like I would make that law that the move has to be done like this. And I, you know, the other aspect is I, I understand physical mechanics. So if there's a, a, a better physical widget to be made, or I'm the guy that's going to make that, that widget in the process. I want, I want to do the least amount of work and I want the maximum results. So I even like still to this day, I do a lot of critiquing when it comes to uh, I'll watch a professional's match of a, of, of a couple guys that they're, they're, they want to get me, uh, they, they want me to give them an honest critique on yeah. that. But same way it would be for amateur wrestling or, or for MMA. I, those are just three areas that I continue to critique and try to help people move along in their careers. Some people don't like the, the rather blunt to the point candor I have, but uh, <laughs> I always tell people I'm not here to blow smoke up yes I, I watch sure, you. Sure. I really I, I really want people to succeed but the, the thing is you know between being an amateur wrestler a professional wrestler and a cage fighter the safest thing that I've ever done was cage fight and that's like so ironically because I've been hurt far worse in my professional wrestling career than the other two and then amateur wrestling probably number two in the cage fight the least you know so it's uh that's the hard part is, and that's what it boils down to is knowing that you were trained and you were trained by good people because the number one rule of professional wrestling is I protect you and you protect me. We're out there to have a killer match. We want to, we want it to look killer, but we don't want to be getting each other well, hurt in the process. You know, that one thing I always say to you jokingly is like, because people are always like, oh, do you, does it hurt or does that hurt? I'm like, yeah, it all hurts. You feel it all. It's all still real physicality, you know, show out there doing it. And I go, I go, usually, like, will hurt after most every match. I go, but the goal is to never be injured. That's what yes. like. You're not yeah. trying to injure, the, you know, you're going to hit that guy or do this. It may not feel great, but, like, you're not trying to purposely injure him. You know, you're trying to develop a story, and like you just said, put on a great match and, and a great performance. Right. And, and the physicality is going to come with it, but you're not trying to injure anyone. Right. I uh, actually, I, I don't think a lot of professional wrestlers actually realize each time that they're, that they're being uh, picked up to be, you know, to be be slammed or something like that. When they're taking their own bump, literally they're doing a martial arts break ball. They want to hit on as much body mass as possible yeah. to dissipate that impact. But I, I think um, they're just always so used to well bumping. We do we do bumping, and, and I don't think anyone really actually explains that to them. And I even think that uh, Vince himself should you know, take these guys at least a couple times a month and they should be right back in, in the, the ring going over some of the most basic fundamentals of professional wrestling 101 and 102 because it's, uh, they they might have done a lot of training at one point in time and now, now they're starting to rest on their laurels and that's what people get hurt. At least again, that's my opinion on to it. Sure, that sure, people sure. Get, get hurt. You, you did say too, sorry to cut you off, about like, oh, I talked to enough people because everybody tells you to do something differently. Yes. One of probably the, the best who I ever trained with is, uh, and also is great, but uh, it's Dr. Tom Pritchard. And he actually, he, you know, there's a way that he teaches everything, but he'll even say like, you know, it's not the only way. He goes, there's different flavors of ice cream. But this is just the flavor I like. And this is, you know, how I, yeah. how I, how I do it, how I teach it. So 
Yeah, I mean, body types are going to be a little bit different to, you know, because of, uh, you know, just flexibility issues, things of that nature. I mean, that, it's, uh, you know, so body types are always going to take into consideration for doing moves. Uh, I never was the most, I was not, never a very flexible individual. And as I get older, I'm not getting any more flexible. <laughs> That's why you're going to go to Bio Accelerator, huh? Hopefully that'll help. <laughs> well, I, I do have some some good thoughts for, for that. I've had a few stem cell shots myself and... Uh, I think Don was probably telling that uh, hopefully uh, both he and I will be heading down to South America and get some really good stem cells. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the, the BioX guys have been some of the, because I've done it a few times, and I feel like theirs is the, probably the best quality for sure. Oh, you've been, been down to that same place a couple yeah, times? Yeah, BioX. Yep, yep. I went down there. I went down there with my wife and uh, Ray Mysterio and his wife. We went down there at the end of August 2019, and it was, it was awesome. Was that for again that uh, not be principal, but is that for oh, yeah, no, no. back? I, I, I did uh, I was telling him I did my right knee, my right uh, both my shoulders, my right knee, my right elbow, and uh, my back and my hip, which is the main reason because I just I'll get had a bad injury from uh, that summer in wrestling and I just couldn't seem to get over it. So that that helped significantly with that one for sure. And then my my, my my wife had a torn ACL. She had recently repaired and she got it done and she was she was cleared like in seven months. So she, she healed pretty quick on the torn ACL too. Oh wow. Uh, that's uh, no I'm uh, again I you know what a uh, couple shots I've had here in the States so far. I mean uh, they they've worked uh, really well for me other than I mean it helped out both my hips really great. I should say both my knees really great. I just still have a lagging problem in a hip, and it's, I'm hoping that if I go to South America, maybe I'll get the really good stuff, and uh, you know, it'll uh, give me back what I had before. So, well, not not I think it's better, but also I was just saying uh, they give you what, like they limit how much they'll give you in America, whereas if like yes, South America stuff you can get. I just I just said I had like 300 million that time I went there, counting the IV and all the joints, so. Like I've I've seen other places that are like offer like a million. I'm like, what? That's what's that going to do? A freaking I got three hundred. I'm like, I don't want that. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. Again, from what uh, from what I've learned about the bioaccelerator people there, I mean, they've uh, they actually take your body weight into accountability and that, yeah. and then they try to you know figure it out as to how many. because yeah, uh, you, you you can have too much. It'll make you really feel really sick too. Well, I'm I'm hoping for great results. Oh, I got a buddy down in um, Hermosillo who he will do it, you know, but yeah, I'd like to go get the big one first. Yeah, you know? yeah. of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, because now there's there's some in America that are starting to do it, but the uh, the amount of stem cells they'll put in is severely less. So right. like, I think I ended up getting like 300 million, I think, or something all together, like with all the joints and the IV and everything else. Right, right. Like it was a ridiculous amount. How many times did you go there? Uh, I then went to BioX once. I was set to go again, and then it didn't happen. Um, and then I've, I've been to the Puerto Vallarta place uh, three times. Hmm. So I've, I've gotten four four times altogether. Yeah, back Blowing my cigar. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to go, man, because I'm just a wreck, you know? I mean... Uh, I broke my back twice, you know, maybe four or five times if you count broken rods, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I broke the rods two or three times, you know, thank you. And, you know, then I broke my neck twice and um, didn't even know I broke it the first time, you know, first time I broke it when I was dicking around with uh, Severin's brother, Rod, we were in college. 
and we went down to my house to to drink and have fun, you know, and we went out on those three wheelers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and boom, I landed on the front tire and bop, 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 boom. Yeah. Didn't even know I broke my neck, just I fucked up my shoulder, you know. <laughs> so, so how long did you have a broken neck before you realized it? Oh uh, no, I didn't. Oh shit. It healed on its own because oh, um, yeah, because I didn't know I even broke it until 20 years later. Or, you know, uh, not 20 years later, shit. Um, <laughs> fuck, I think I broke it in 87. And then I found out uh, 2001. Yeah, when when I, because I broke, broke it again in 90, uh, 99, 2000. I worked, probably 99, because I worked on it for a year and a half. And in New Japan, you know, without knowing, and then finally, you know, I saw the deterioration. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you if you had atrophy. Yeah, 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 a lot of atrophy, you know, and then no strength and all that shit. And then I went in there, and uh, my doctor says, uh, "You got a broken neck. <laughs> you know, you need a surgery." And I says, "I can't get surgery. I have uh, the Tokyo Dome, you know, in a couple weeks. You can't do that. You have a broken neck." I said, well, you tell that to the Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> so soon, soon after the, I think a couple of weeks after the Tokyo Dome, I got it cut on, you know, and then and I was, they asked, you know, how was recovery for you? Says three, three months. They said, okay, we'll see you in three months. I was back in the ring in three months and one week, you know. <laughs> From the next injury? Yeah, yeah. Damn. Hey, I'm curious though. On, on your workouts here now, I mean, you 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 said in your your high school years you first got into weightlifting at that point in time, and you know, you know now you're 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 okay. You're, you're working with AEW and your uh, and several other companies. How do you? How many times are you able to get in a gym on a weekly basis now? I mean, or is it just maintenance, or is it? Uh, no, I mean, I'm not trying to say get like bigger or stronger per se anymore um i mean so i guess i'm, I'm maintaining I, I always still try to change like my look or body composition i'll i'll get like a little softer or harder but um no i still i'm still in the gym uh, at least six times a week and sometimes multiple days a week um i don't uh i don't drink i don't smoke i never have um and and also go out and hang out with all the guys but i'm usually pretty dedicated to where like i just want to go out i want to wrestle i want to fun have the best match maybe i'll hang out for a little bit but then i want to go to bed so i can get up early and do faster cardio, do a faster workout, and catch my flight to the next show. And I, it's all about planning ahead. And I do it every single time. I'll I'll do my homework and I figure out, you know, what city I'm going to or what tours and this and that. And I'll, I'll plan out my meals accordingly. I'll plan out what gyms I can go to. And I'll time it out when I have to go to that gym so I can make it, you know, to the venue at, at call time. And I'll map out the, the driving distance, everything. So I'll do all the homework every week, week after week, to make sure I can get it in. So, and most people don't... Uh, don't have that discipline and determination and, and I usually, everyone will say they will they're like oh, i'm gonna go with you i'm gonna do it. like okay and then you know the hour will roll around and they're not up and you can't get a hold of anybody i'm showing this to you brian this is my bible right here this is my my planner i've been living out of a planner since my junior year in high school that was just for amateur wrestling of all the things that i wanted to do and accomplish it because most people you mean you're 
you're an exceptional person that I have ever had to speak to when it comes to professional wrestling there because not too many of them are uh, as strong-willed as what I see you are. I mean, this is the first time you and I have ever, ever uh, spoke to each other. And uh, what, I, what I really like what that's come across there to me is how independent that you are and you're not influenced by others because a lot of guys want to blend in. And so th there is a lot of peer pressure. Oh, sure, absolutely. So, I mean, even when you look at what you did in high school and stuff like that, there's still this peer pressure even there for if you say to say that you're, you know, smoke and don't drink things of nature because it's going to affect your performance ability, you know. So that's uh, that's hard. And sometimes uh, people don't realize it, but it's some of your closest people to you that are trying to get you to, to do this. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I have nothing, you know, most of it comes from a, a lighthearted place, but I'm like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. And most people like it does. It still happened a little bit now, but it's usually pretty much all said and done. But but yeah, I've always just been so strong-willed and just determined to make it. And I'm like, you know, I don't want any uh, outside distractions or anything else. I you know want to give 110 towards this and make it happen. You know, than what, what it has. So uh, when I look at other people and they try to say how much they want it, but then you know, how much they're lacking in their, in their hustle and their grind. Oh, and whatnot. It's just, I, like, even, I, you know, even before I was making a lot of money wrestling, I was just any wrestling, you know, I was out there and I was doing every five different jobs at once and hustling and I'd leave work early and I'd drive to the show and change. I get to the show late and I'd be in my gear when I'd show up and I'd drive back home to, you know, get up and work in an early shift before I went back to another show. Like what I, I would just make it happen. Where it's like so many other people, you can't teach that work ethic. So many other people are just lazy with like, Oh, what can I just get signed? Or, oh, you know, like I just want to wrestle and uh, provide for myself, but I'm only getting paid 20 bucks, you know, at some shitty indie show. I'm like, yeah, bro, like you, you got to get a real job. You got to, you know, like don't quit, don't give up, but you got to be smart about it. And so it's like a well, lot say, of people have that work ethic. Yeah, just like you said, setting set a goal. The hard part is a lot of people, they don't know how to set a goal, but then it, it, it's more like wishful thinking is how they, yeah. they look about it. And then they don't know how to take start taking these these steps towards achieving that goal. That's what I, I talk about people all the time is set goals. I have goals. I mean, it's, it's, as I said before, I live out of a planner, so I don't I don't uh, I don't let life true. I don't let life happen to me. I make life happen. You know, exactly. the, the only the only things that are the unforeseeability is that injury or stuff like that that may come along that kind of derails you for a little bit. But uh, hopefully, it was even like like all during the pandemic, I had to learn a few new skill sets. And, uh, and life went on, so. Right. Well, that's it too. Like, a lot of, not only set goals, but like you said, set actual goals, not just your end goal. I feel like some people do that too, where they have their beginning and their end goal, and then they just think they can go from A to Z. Yeah. You got to have all the little goals on the way to get you to the final goal. Yep. You can't just, can't just become a black belt overnight, you know, so. No, yeah. it's little, little victories here along the way. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like it's, it's uh like they say, every journey starts with the first step. You know, you, you got to have your goal, and then you got to have a plan to, to achieve that goal, and then you've got to, you know, you got little mini goals along the exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that fuels fuels your success and your drive. You're like, okay, okay, I'm getting somewhere. I'm getting somewhere. You know, it's just like even like like training and stuff, like body composition and taking progress pics, or whatever. You can use that analogy towards anything. But obviously, you got to have little goals in mind so it keeps on. Like, okay, I checked that one off, I checked that one off, I checked, and it helps lead you to your end goal. You can't just go like tunnel vision, like, I just got to get to this end goal, like, somehow. I'm like, it's not going to magically happen. No one's going to come knock on your door and just give you a contract somewhere. Like, you got to figure it out. Exactly. 
yeah, you got to be somebody who's noticed, you know, and you've got to come up with a gimmick to be noticed. Uh, we were, we were over there in San Diego, what a couple months ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ran into each other down there. Yeah, uh, Sean I, Jacoby had a little event going for for the for the old neighborhood. I know that was that was hysterical. I when I remember he called me and asked me because I've you know I've done signing stuff for him before and and uh, I couldn't believe it. Like, Wait, this is like a birthday party like kind of situation like in your backyard. Yeah, I'm like, and like and then the, the amount of people that were there. I mean, that's like the the neighborhood, but like as far as the talent that he brought in, like it was just so much. It was it was such. And I felt like because it was a neighborhood like show, I feel like no one was really, you know, like fans, fans. It was like, oh, let's just go and do it. So I don't think they could even comprehend like how much talent and like namesake people were actually on the show. They probably just thought we were all just, you know, a bunch of pretend wrestlers. Right. Not realizing like this is an amazingly stacked show that would have drawn great like anywhere else for like, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, it was wild. That was a fun little experience though. Yeah. If you get, if you get rent. Run facility and do that, you know, uh, once once a month, once every other month down there in San Diego, he'd pull in a good chunk of change. Oh, for sure, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, right, that was all free. Like, yeah, you could have. That was that was a better booked uh, lineup than than most daily shows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty neat was for a, for a birthday for you know shit for a kid. Like, 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 it just sounded too surreal when he was asking me, and then he even asked me, you know, to ask a couple people. And uh, help get them aboard. And like everyone kind of have the same uh, approach. Like, wait, what? I go right. I know because it sounds weird, but like it's it's too it's too unique not to do it. And he took real good care of us too. And I know we yeah. all stayed there um, that night as well. And um, he, he Airbnb would us uh, a nice little place. And we watched the, the UFC fight too that night as well. Yeah, he took care good care of everybody. You know, for a bunch of guys who are used to paying their own. Their own uh, hotel room, you know. Shit. He... Oh, exactly, exactly. Hey, you know, I mean, another question for you guys too. Do you, do you? I don't like you know. There's so many people, you know, who are uh, bitter veterans of wrestling, right? <clears throat> who like can't stand WWF, who hate it, then they'll never watch it again. Do you guys have that same? Do you what? Like, do you guys watch UFC currently? Do are what's your guys' opinion on the current product for UFC wise? I watch it occasionally, you know. Um, if if I can get, uh, go over to my friend's house for free, you know? <laughs> I used to go down to to uh, shit the pub down here. What's the name of the pub? Putney's Putney's Bar and Grill, a little pub, and they because they would have it, you know, and people get in for free. And yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. That's always fun when to do it. Yeah, and then Tony, I was like, Tony's my cameraman, our our cameraman for the show here, so. He, he he'll, he started watching it, so I mean, um, more so, you know. I mean, he's always watched it, but he never let me know that he uh, he was watching it. <laughs> 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 then when I found out, I went to his house. Just the drive's not as long. Yeah, myself did, Brian. I mean, I, I, I literally, I enjoyed watching professional wrestling. You know, probably when I said junior high, I, I like the over the top crazy characters that were involved in professional wrestling at that point in time. I never thought of becoming a professional wrestler. I mean, I, I had, I had four of the brothers. So simply to grab your brother and airplane spin him a few times and body slam him on the couch or you know, that was something that, uh, yet we would emulate, but uh, my amateur wrestling career is really what, what's kind of, uh, 
is what I give a, a lot of credence to. It, it, it paid for my education. I went to college on a full athletic scholarship for the sport of amateur wrestling. I traveled the entire United States. I traveled the entire world. Whatever country has ever had a wrestling program, I've been there and competed there. So I give a lot of credence to it, and it's opened up all my other doors there for even for professional wrestling and, and then uh, climbing into the cage and, and the, the mixed martial arts. Now, watching it nowadays, I just don't watch much television at all. I'll watch a select match. Unless I go, unless I go to a show, I'll watch the show at that point in time. But that's, uh, you know, it's hit, hit or miss. Gotcha. It's, uh, you know, the biggest thing I always tell people that I will run out of time before I will ever run out of projects. I love the life that I've carved out for myself. I always have something to do on a daily basis. And, uh, and then I just know that when it's all said and done, I will have made a difference in a lot of people's lives because I am, I am rather blunt and to the point and uh, I, don't, I don't sugarcoat too many things. If people want an honest question, I, I simply have to ask them. I go, are you sure you really want an honest answer? I said, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So when these guys do ask me to critique matches and stuff like that, or I'll critique it. I'll pull out the old ink pen and that piece of paper and and just go and make make my little notes and uh, just like little things. All it ever is is never nothing major, just just little things. But that's 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 just me. Well, that's also the only way you can get better, though. You can't get better when people just say, "Oh, it was great. It was great." Yeah. Well, great. there's a, there's a lot of people that they're just you know kind of ass kissers. They're, they're yeah. just you know they want to be your friend and they, and they think that by you know, say it's something that uh, you might take offense to, and it's not. I mean, it's, uh, that to me is, is a real buddy when they when they tell you that yeah, you need to work on this or you need to get your physique a little bit better or stuff like that. Because you hit the nail on the head for a lot of the independent guys. They don't look like professional wrestlers. So, you know, they don't have the gear. They don't have the physique. And, uh, and, they and that, you know, I, I see that in these seminars, you started to cut you off there. I always talk about that, too. I was like, I'm like... I was you don't have to look like me, but you need to look like a professional athlete. You look like somebody who wants to, uh, or, you know, that's going to stand out and be an entertainer and want to, you want to pay for it to see in the ring, pay for it to enter the building, pay for it to see on TV. I'm like, if you come out, look like you belong in the crowd. Well, then you probably do. I was like, that, that goes for your gear as well. And I was like, what's funny about that. I was like, is your look, both your physique and your wrestling gear are the only things that you have complete control of. Yep. Like how you get booked, if you get booked, win, lose, draw, storyline, you don't really have any control of that. You can try, but really just you yourself and how you present yourself is really the only thing you have 106 control for wrestling. And uh, yeah, nobody really takes advantage of that. And that's yeah. your, your initial, you know, right when you come out the curtain, however you look, that's that's how you're going to stand out or not stand out to the crowd. Well, let, me, let me ask you about, about this past year with all the uh, uh, deal with, with COVID and that. Um, you know, a lot of gyms being shut down. They, they should do, do you have your, you know, tri private gym that you utilize, or do you? Uh, so I, I lucked out, and uh, actually, I, too, I was still in SoCal during the, the thick of it. Um, but there was there was a, a few different gyms that I had access to, um, you know, that weren't open, but that I was able to get in. So there was okay. There's actually um, uh, there's a, a hair company called Suavecito, and their main warehouse facility was in Santa Ana. And it was like probably like 45 minutes from me, especially with no traffic because no one was on the road because of the pandemic. But um, he always wanted me to come down and work out because like, oh, we had a workout facility. This, this was one of the guys that, one of the top tier guys there who was a big wrestling fan and knew who I was. He'd always be like, oh, it'd be cool if you came in and trained one day. It'd be cool if you came in and trained one day. So when all the gyms are broken down, or broken down, closed down, 
And he's like, yeah, you can come check out our gym. And I go, oh, okay. So I go down there. It's like, I don't really have that much of a choice in the matter. And I didn't really think it was going to be much. You know, I thought it was going to be like a, a couple barbells or a bench and like a, a four-way machine, like a hotel gym or something, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Dude, yeah. this place was immaculate. They could, that, that was a full-on gym. Like you have membership. And it was just like, I guess the main owner of that company um, saw Mark Wahlberg's home gym and just wanted to have something better than, than his. And so they made this gym. And then nobody was ever there because most of the employees were all laid off or on furloughed or whatever. So like I would literally just go there and have this huge gym facility to myself. So that, that really lucked out for a couple months. And then there was an anytime fitness that was a pretty good one close to my house that, um, that never closed. And then um, CT Fletcher too ended up giving me a key to his gym too. And I could go over there on the DL and train. So I had a few different spots. Yeah, so you, you were already in a state there that was pretty good about not uh, shutting down all the gyms the way uh, some of the other states were. So yeah, you, you, you actually had a good situation. What, uh, I mean, if, if people are looking to uh, either try to connect with you or want to follow you, what, what are some of your social media outlets uh, that, that you want to promote here? That, uh, oh, okay, well, I mean, uh, Brian, this Cage, way- Brian Cage on Instagram, I want his wife's contact. Hear <laughs> <laughs> that, Melissa? What? Uh, she just got home too. Yeah. Uh, My sweetheart. Don <laughs> uh, and Dan from you met. Uh, Who? You met, you met yeah, yeah. Uh, she's talking about you. There, she was the ring announcer. She was the ring announcer in San Diego. Hi. Uh, are we doing a podcast? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. okay. Wow. Dan Severn and Don Fry. <laughs> I thought we were having a conversation. No, 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 no. But there's <laughs> that's all. That's all we are. Really, contact information for social media. Okay. And then, um, and I said I wanted your contact, not his. Oh hi! <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> oh hi! I have my contact. Hit me up on the DMs. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that guy. That guy. Uh, uh, the Irishman in trouble. Connor McGregor. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, Brian Cage on Instagram, and then Mister GMSI underscore B Cage on Twitter. That name sucks. It's really long and and complex, and most people can't find me. But I have a blue check mark, so I can't I can't change it or I lose it. Um, that and then the Mister GMSI. That was one of my first little indie gimmicks that stuck out uh, really well because everyone used to always give me shit about um. You know, want to go out there and do so much stuff and like oh, you want to do this you want to do that you want to get your shit out oh chris logan you always want to get your shit in brian cage you always want to get your shit in and i was like yeah that's right because i'm mr get my shit in and then that, <laughs> that's where the mr g messiah came in uh that's funny well again that's that's a good work ethic though that's having a good work ethic there whether it's inside the ring or outside the ring it, it's a good work worth ethic ethic uh we'll see you through so absolutely and my problem was I never set, I met one goal and I wouldn't set another, you know, I would have that goal and I'd hit it and I'd be happy with it, you know, and when you've got to always, always achieve more, you know. Yeah, can't be content or just in complacencies because then you're not going to go anywhere else. So, right. That's kind of like the, the competition getting better competition. If you have no other, you know, goals to set, then it's like, well, where do you go from here? 
Oh, how, how'd you get such a gorgeous wife while you were in Lucha Underground? Oh, well, she's the ring announcer at Lucha Underground. So that's, <laughs> so that's the reason why I said like that. That was probably the best season or uh, the best uh, federation I've been in, too. Yeah, yeah. Best, best job you ever got, huh? <laughs> uh, I, I know. And I, I didn't uh, expect it to happen, nor did I think that that would happen. But um, yeah, I just kind of fell into place. And then I. Uh, you know, she needed her green card, you know. And you know. Oh, shit. I have my green card. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you do <laughs> now. Okay. <laughs> I'm Nicaraguan. We automatically got him when we came over here running away from socialism, so. Uh, well, we're we're bringing socialism here, aren't you happy? I, I, I hope not. <laughs> you see the idiots running the country? Yes. <laughs> Um, so I was gonna ask you guys, how were you guys ever offered um, a fight amongst each other? We were supposed to. When I, uh, the winner of Ultimate Ultimate Two, was supposed to fight Mr. Severn for the World Heavyweight Championship, and uh, when I won Ultimate Ultimate Two, but during the final fight, I broke my hand against you know Tank Abbott. And so that pulled me out, obviously, because the, the fight was scheduled to be two, two months away, you know, and, and a broken hand takes six to eight weeks, you know, and even if I wanted to, I wouldn't have been able to train to get in shape for it, you know. Gotcha. So, uh, well, we were, we were, we were using the same attorney and stuff like that as well. So, I mean, it, it was that it was never really going to ever happen right. between Don and myself. I mean, but uh, it was like, you know, just. Just I, I go I, I had to tell Don just Don just stir the pot up a little bit just stir the pot up I go like that you just never know what new something new might come out of all of it I go right now they're just looking at one thing ah, let's just stir the pot up a little bit a couple other things will come out of it you know that just being involved first in professional wrestling and then being involved in the the cage fighting world I was able to use some of that psychology that I learned in professional wrestling and apply it. In the cage fight world, I mean, I, I knew how to make I knew how to make a crowd love me. I knew how to make a crowd hate me. Whereas, like you know, I, I was an older athlete, uh, uh, com competed in, in, in the the cage fighting stuff. So, you know, these guys, I was never going to win the fisticuffs because that was not my forte. But you had to be within arms reach in order to punch, legs range, kick, knee, elbow. So I was always good about just staying a little bit outside of range, bait people, and then close that distance. Whether that would be a takedown clinch him out in, in the open or simply just jam him up against the cage wall. I was really good at, at that aspect. So then, you know, my whole, my whole uh, aspect was there, was there at, at that point was once they got you clinching, you shall never see the light of day again, because if I do let you loose, you're going to punch, kick me. That, you know, it's overrated. I, I'd rather be the person that's punching somebody else as opposed to being punched in the head. So didn't you, uh, didn't you like that? So didn't you not necessarily, uh trained specifically for MMA? They just go in there basically just as an amateur wrestler. It's like, okay, I'm just going to beat these well, guys. That, that was, I mean, literally that's where, again, that's where one of my uh, things that I talked about that, that out of a 20 year career, I only did two training camps, once for UFC number five and once for the ultimate ultimate. Those are my only two training camps I ever did. One was for 32 days. One was for 35 days. And that was two, two different records. I set there. One was for the shortest time ever to take it out three minutes. Then, uh, the other one, what the ultimate ultimate was being inside the octagon cage just over one hour between my three opponents. And that was in Denver, Colorado, mile high elevation. So oh, yeah, that was yeah. 
so that was still you know, during that no hold barred era. So there was, uh, you, know, you know, we had the two rules to abide by, no biting, no buy. I got you. So the product has changed a great deal today. And it had to change because of the, the scrutiny that all these other legislators and politicians were trying to put pressure on to it. It's kind of like anything else, like look at professional wrestling. Vince McMahon himself had to expose the industry just so that he no longer had to fall underneath all these different athletic commissions. Yeah. You could simply say that it's it's not a, a true athletic contest. These are real athletes doing real athletic maneuvers, but it's not like it's a you know a real death match or you know cage yeah. match or something like this. It's an entertainment product. And just by Vince doing that alone, he saved his company multiple millions of dollars on an annual basis because he no longer had to be scrutinized by various state athletic commissions. Yeah, I, I, was a, I think the very first UFC I watched as a kid was UFC 6. But I mean, yeah, I watched all the UFC stuff before it was, you know, a big deal, uh, before it, you know, became a, a big major sport as opposed to just a, uh, a once in a while spectacle. Um, but yeah, and I, and, I, and I did like it so much more than I, I, at least I felt like I did, just because, like, yeah, it was just, I liked the, like when it first started to the no rounds, and the no weights and the limits yep. and everything yeah. just open. Um, but uh, yeah, for it to move forward and, and progress, like you said too, especially with all the athletic commissions and everything else, because it, it seemed just too barbaric, if you will, for every for like the general population to accept. Um, yeah. And I felt like that they, they they had to make it, you know, weight classes and more rules and this and that to make it more contained and sports oriented. Yeah, no, you, uh, you, rather you, than you, just like. You, uh, sorry, you, you had other, uh, you had just all different politicians and athletic commissioners that were just coming down on the sport. And uh, Senator John McCain was one of the biggest advocators uh, going against the UFC at that point in time. But at the same token, he was heavily involved in the, in the sport of boxing. And and if you really look at, I guess, the, the true aspects of it all, you know, if you follow the money trail, you usually will follow the, the right answers here right now. But uh, it was a, uh, this MMA was a new threat to the sport of boxing. You know, I mean, but boxing has, a, it, it's carved out its own niche, same way what mixed martial arts. Be I, I look at MMA now as a, a kind of a watered down uh, combat sport. It has 47 or 49 rules to it to, to this day that it's, it's just a nice little competition. Whereas before it was the closest thing to ever being a real fight. And that's what the art Davy, the brainchild of the whole uh, deal, that's what he was looking for. He just wanted to see what person or what skill set or what discipline would reign supreme. And he had some pretty crazy <laughs> ideas of having a cage suspended in the air over like a moat with the, uh, you know, crocodiles and stuff like that. It's what I mean, it's something that's crazy as all that. I mean, I actually saw those pictures of that. Oh my God. Heard it from. So he had some pretty, pretty, some pretty wild ideas, but uh, he was a businessman and he ended up uh, soliciting Horian Gracie uh, for the the matchmaker for doing it, so ah. as yeah, you said, I, as you said, I, it's kind of like letting the the, uh, the fox in the head house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's what it was. So right, well, yeah, yeah. Because the very first use, he was so like intentionally to like showcase, you know, voice and Grace, everything. Yeah, yeah. Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Right. You bet. Yeah, I'm gonna say more more Gracie Jiu Jitsu franchise were sold during that uh, during that time era, and at any other time and. Uh, you know, Art Davy kind of was left out in the cold. He did not uh, yeah. get any piece of that. So I mean, I, I like Art for what what he stood for. You know, he was just a, a businessman with with a crazy idea that uh, brought it to 
Croatian. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, before Severin got here, yeah, you know, you, you told me that I was your favorite fighter, you know, of all time. But who's your favorite? Well, fighter? But, but that that's before you met me. Now, come on. <laughs> who's your favorite modern fighter? Now, you know, favorite modern fighter. Um, uh, who you know. I mean, must not have one to jump to your your. No, no, no like, because like, I mean, like there, there's there's a lot of good ones, but like people that I still like, like I'm excited to see. Like I love Robbie Lawler, just I feel like he always goes balls to the wall, no matter Robbie what. Robbie Lawler, Lawler is a, a he's a time tested. I, I enjoy watching him as well. Yeah, he never has a like you win lose draw. He never has a bad fight. Like, and he's one guy that somehow like that final round comes out and he almost has like more energy, more fire. Like I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's just gonna keep going for it. So many great fights with him. I want to see him and Nick Diaz. I'm, I'm stoked for. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's anybody like that's like, like none of the champions are main, you know, guys right now. I'm a big fan. I'm obviously, I'm I'm uh, very much entertained by Conor McGregor, but um, um, now if you, know, you look, if you look back at some of Conor McGregor's background when he first came on the scene, he was just happy to. He was just happy to be in the UFC. He was happy to yeah. have just won. He was happy to be off Ireland's version of welfare. But then he started. He started to get. To, he started to understand the reaction, and uh, and uh, literally, I think he, he understood how to work that crowd. Oh sure, get him. Style, yeah. sure. Yeah. exactly. That's where uh, I always tell people that if you really want to make it in, in the MMA world, you should take a couple. A couple sessions of professional wrestling 101 and 102 because it will learning that psychology and learning especially how to uh, to work that crowd to move that crowd. That's a that's a very important aspect. Well, the same thing with you know, same thing with with Chael Sonnen and, and Colby Covington and everything else. They all kind of yeah. have that wrestling aspect that work themselves into it. So yep. Connor Connor stole Ric Flair's you know gimmick. You know, <laughs> and, you know it's funny to see who's whose gimmick will be stolen next. Right, I'm gonna, right, right. I, gentlemen, I, I, I'm about to apologize. I am about to bow out. I did get a, a text here that I have to Ooh. I have to head ashore and to pick up some more uh, family members that are coming on in. So, oh, bullshit. Uh, I go grocery shopping, do the dishes. Well, I mean, okay, Dad, yes. You talked about ice cream, okay? So I got to go grab a cup, you know, just a, a small little five-gallon tub, and I'll be, I'll be okay. That's it, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that's thank all. Thank God. He leaves, we get, we get to really... Just doing okay, talking. so Brian, better real pleasure. I hope to actually that the bump into you somewhere on the, the road here, and uh, we get a chance to sit down and break bread together. All right, yes, yes, that'd be great, sir. Okay, take All care. Right, take care. Bye. Bye, Grandpa. All right. <laughs> you, you bastard <laughs> say hi to all the other little bastards. Okay, at the home. <laughs> Holy balls! Don't forget your mask, and you, you know. Everything shit. else, you bet. Shit, Brian. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what I'm doing here right now. Here, I'm trying to says leave. leave. <laughs> there it goes. There yeah. Goes. yeah. Uh, you know, too. What uh, I actually remember, I remember that fight uh, very much. When I was like the first time, the, the fight you said you broke your hand and Tank, Tank Abbott. Yeah. I remember that too, yeah. I was like, uh, I was never like Tank Abbott was entertaining, but I was never a big fan of his. And I remember too, like you, you coming in there. And I like, just like destroying him and not like striking him. I was like, oh shit, Tank Abbott's getting fucked up. Yeah. So, that was, and then obviously, like, I don't, I don't know if there's a more referenced fight, especially in pro wrestling, too, than yours and Takayama. Like, that's always, always, always talked about. 
Yeah, I love it when people are like, especially if they don't even know him, man. Like, dude, that one guy, the American dude in the Japanese. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> or they always say the big Chinese guy. He's yeah, not yeah. Chinese. Okay. And I'm like, learn his damn name. Give the guy the respect. Oh, okay. What, I, what I'm more dumbfounded about it, and I always make a comment, is how, like, you guys are just like throwing it, right? Just hockey fighting, just throwing, throwing haymakers at each other. How is his face destroyed and yours look totally fine, like the, the next, like after the round? I don't know. I, that's what I wonder. I wonder if he's stone working punches. Didn't know it was a shoot. <laughs> I was moving my head. I was moving my head, uh, you know, just a split second out of the way. Uh, you know, if so if you, you go back and watch it, you can see that, you know, I, I'm just, I got lucky that night. I got really lucky to uh, be spot on. You know, I, I trained um, shit, trained my ass off for four or six weeks you know i don't know because it's supposed to be a, a, my rematch against coleman yeah, so, yeah i mean i was i was gunning i was gunning and then um a couple weeks into it you're a couple weeks away from the fight you know they said he got hurt you know he might have broke his neck and i was like holy shit you know so you know i just you know i just prayed for him you know healed his neck and make sure it wasn't broken because you know i wanted to win i didn't want to win that way you know yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> you know that's not a way to win and so they said nah it was just like a stinger or something and but he still can't fight and uh so well who am i fighting we don't know yet and so they told me about a week out you know and, oh shit yeah which is pretty good for for pride because they would change the, the opponent on you, you know, the night before that day. Oh, it was like a pressing show then, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I did like, uh, yeah, okay, did you like Pride more than UFC? Huh. Well, the money was better, you know, um, and the crowds were bigger because, you know, I was, I was in it when it was quasi-illegal. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, when I first started watching Pride, I had the Pride video game and stuff. I thought Pride was so much cooler than UFC, and, mm -hmm. and it was just more. And then the big entrances and everything else. And I like, I like the rules a little bit better. I thought the ring was great. Uh, I thought they had just more variety of fighters at that time and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I was way more into Pride FC than I was UFC. Well, I like I like the cage a lot better than the ropes. The ring, yeah. Well, yeah, because that too, that keeps you from falling out. I, I, I would get annoying when you get. He'd have to reposition you, but right. Um, but yeah, no, I did. I did, uh, did very much enjoy Pride. I thought it was great. Uh, who was uh, this is like not turning to my podcast with you? Who was who was your uh, uh, toughest or, 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 or I guess most respected opponent that you fought? Oh, oh, Takiyama, you know, Takiyama yeah. in both of those, you know, he was the toughest to, to take what he took, and you know. And I respect him the most, you know, for that. And the next was um, Amari Batesh, you know, UFC 9. Um, have you ever seen that one? Mm, was that was that a tournament or was that? No, it was a single. It was a single fight night. No, I don't think I have that. I yeah, if, I, I, if I had, what's, what, what, what's the finish of it? Yeah, it was in Detroit. And um, I won. Uh, John McCarthy stopped the fight, you know. Because um, there's, there's a good chance I have seen it then. I just don't know. 
Uh, well, they 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 might have not show it because it was a brutal fight. It was a really brutal fight, and uh, it was more brutal than my fight against my against uh, Coleman. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as the so, I mean, did you just onslaught the guy then, or? Yeah, yeah, I got. I was on. I was, I was really lucky that night too. I had a great night. Um, well, shit. I mean, Amari Batesti's a tough. He was a tough fighter. He he was like a hundred and fifty and one in jujitsu, you know, victories. And the one loss was because uh, he's in a tournament and he had already beaten the guy. He's gonna meet in the finals, so they started drinking champagne. You know, <laughs> before the fight, you know, and he went out there and got knocked out. <laughs> so that tells you never celebrate before, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm going to have to go here pretty quick, too, and start getting ready to go back to the gym. I did yeah. a different morning session. I got to go ahead another one up here in a, in a little bit. Um, is there anything else you guys want to discuss or, or say beforehand or? I don't know what you got. No, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. All right, cool. Thank you very much, cool, cool, cool. baby. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I know, like I said, we've been trying to do this for a while. I know he's trying to set up for me to come out there, which would have been great. I know, just like, yeah, it just wasn't working out. But, uh, hey, better late than never. Yeah, yeah. Well, hell, what's your next What's your next um, show? Well, after, after the Triple uh, Main tomorrow, yeah, Mexico show. Uh, and then I'll go back out to... Uh, I go back to AW on uh, off Father Tuesday. We have Dynamite Wednesday, um, and we'll probably record our uh, our YouTube show that same day. And then I have in uh, a Redcon one that's sponsors uh, event I have to go to, and then I have a indie show in South Florida on Friday, and then another one in Chicago on Saturday. And then I'm back home Sunday, Monday, and then back on the road Tuesday. Wow. Man. Uh, uh, when's your next when's your next pay-per-view though with AEW? Uh that's September 5th, Sunday, September 5th in Chicago. Yeah. So that'll what, be good. What's the name of it? All out. <laughs> AEW. Uh, all, all out. I don't know. All out. <laughs> all, yeah, yeah. That's like all out and double or nothing are, are like their two main pay-per-views. So this is like the WrestleMania or SummerSlam esque pay-per-view if you will. Yeah. Oh, do you know who you work with? Uh I'm I, I believe I'm working with, uh, with with Ricky Starks in the Team Taz feud, but uh, like I said, it's 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 penciled in. So we'll see what happens. Right, right. And it was funny in Japan. We, you know, there was no storyline ever, and yeah, we'd fight. You know, we'd work with one guy one night, and next night we'd be a, his tag partner, and it was like it took forever to get used to that. You know, really did. Well, yeah, it's a little more sport based, I guess, in, in Japan too, where it's like, what was that storyline stuff? And I've done a few tours in Japan, not with New Japan, unfortunately. I always work with Noah, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 phenomenal over there, though. I, I feel like it's uh, respected, appreciated in a different way in Japan than it is in the States. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I mean, they some of their pro wrestlers, uh, the older guys, you know, are like national heroes. Oh, for sure. You know, like you had Ricky Dozon, you know, and Antonio Inoki and the giant Baba, you know, I mean, and those are names that you know, you go go down forever over there. You know, yeah. some, some of them up ended up in the, the House of Reps, you know, or a senator. 
<laughs> That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well, hopefully uh, we can do this again, or maybe I can make it down there in person sometime down the road. But uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, good luck at BioX, too. Tell them I said hi. All right, partner. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, guys. Good luck. See you later. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.